Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Before we get into this emergency podcast from the Armory, Sidious Max coverage of the 2024 Milrose Games is presented by Bandit. Bandit is a performance running brand based in New York, in Brooklyn, founded in 2022. They just had nine athletes competing in the marathon trials, and they actually told their story in a documentary-style YouTube series called Dialed. You can check that out on the Bandit Running YouTube channel. But most importantly, they just relaunched their membership program that enhances your relationship with Bandit via early access to product, discounts, exclusive events, gear, content, you name it. For a limited time, you can get 20% off the membership and any product if it's your first order by using code Sidious20 at BanditRunning.com. That's Sidious20 at BanditRunning.com. Thanks to Bandit for supporting Sidious Mag's coverage of the Milrose Games. Let's unpack the action. All right, we are coming to you live from the Armory here in New York City. No video post show, but we're still coming at you with the podcast. Chris Chavez and Kyle Merber here just moments after the meet wrapped up. Kyle, we've been to so many of these Milrose Games. Top three, number one, number two. How are you feeling about this one? Yeah, I felt like it was... Uh one more world record away from being absolutely undeb- undebatably the best. Uh, it might still be. That w- I mean, that's why we're sitting here talking. We're just fired up right now. Still so excited after that Wanamaker mile. And it just seemed like we were so close to getting that third world record. Yeah. Sorry. Right, so let's, let's get right into it. Crack recap style here. The meet opens up with a banger of a world record. Devane, Tra- uh, Devane Charlton, 7.67. For the 60-meter hurdles, I mean, it was a perfect race. It was flawless from the first step, and she lost at New Balance, like, pretty, pretty, like, dramatically. Like, she she was very much beat a week ago. And yeah. so by athletes that were in this race, like, Tia Jones beat her at New Balance, and then she comes about, back and lays down the gauntlet on the day. Like, every other event has to immediately answer to it. She just looked so strong out the blocks, and then you know the, that the way she came off that final hurdle as well, the, when the seven six, I believe it was seven six eight that showed first on the screen. It was like, okay, that sounds familiar. That sounds. Wait, hold on, and then immediately like everyone jumps to the records tab in their results sheet and realizes like, yup, confirmed as soon as that was rounded down. So um, you know, beating the the world champion Danielle Williams in the process at you know, the hundred meters. So, uh, like what a setup for the rest of the year to, to open with that. Yeah. I mean, I think another cool element to this too, is just like, she's had her ups and her downs. I think she had a pretty bad back injury a couple of years ago, um, that kept her out from, from competing. And so, um, I don't know. Is all of a sudden the Bahamas on top of the sprints? Like, like I remember, it was just a couple of years ago that the U.S. swept all the medals at the you know the global championships, and now uh, the Bahamas may be on top. And you know those people are going nuts. Well, the, the cool thing about it too is like how emotional she was afterwards. Like, yeah, this meant a lot. There's some people they win a race indoors and just walk off like, oh, I'm just training for the Olympics. Like, and she was super touched by this. Like this meant a ton. 
to her and her celebrating with her team and her family, you know, everyone in the mix zone stepping off the track could see that this was more than just a win. This was more than just a world record. Like, this was a stamp on a career that has had its ups and downs. So it was cool. Similarly, we didn't say a word about her during the pre-race show. So uh, words of the wise, we don't know it all. We're uh, just having fun. Yeah. And, and – I mean, going into the men's hurdle race... Excellent example of just... No one saw this coming. I mean, I... Look, I know Daniel Roberts. I know Trey Cunningham. I know Cordell Tinch. But when Dylan Beard took this thing from the inside lane in 7.44, I had like a head-scratch moment of, am I supposed to know who that is? And afterwards, in the post-race interview, I just kind of straight up asked. I was like, can I have a little bit more of your story? All I know is that... You just ran a huge personal best, beat a field of, like, the top American hurdlers, minus Grant Holloway, of course, and, like, who are you? What's your deal? And The answer know, is crazy. Yeah, I mean, he, he's, he's jumped around. He, he spent time at a few different colleges, but, you know, ultimately finished his collegiate career at Howard. And now, David Oliver. Yep, and now is, um, you know, training out in NC State. He's working at walmart in the deli and just finding a way to make this work you know unsponsored uh you know even those who are organizing the meet were kind of like wow did not see that coming like i'm like really it was it was great for him to get a lane in the opportunity but the way that he seized it was really cool and so when you think about just the american hurdling landscape right now What's one more thrown in the mix? I know, right? It's a crowded picture, but let's remember the name Dylan Beard as we head into uh, the rest of the indoor season. I mean, USA is next week. Uh, next up, we had the 60s. Julian Alfred took care of business, 699, world lead, meet record, facility record, just looked great. And she was so calm about it after. It's like at this point, yeah, sub-7 is just a standard day at the office for her. I... I spoke with her afterwards and was just kind of asking like how different is it now that you aren't tripling every single weekend in the collegiate system and can focus a little more on the pros yeah puma doesn't need you to score points <laughs> for your for a conference meet or anything like that uh men's side christian coleman 651 third uh milrose game 60 meter title just all business. I think this is just a stepping stone for him on the way to USA's. And now next week at, in Albuquerque, we get the Noah Lyles-Christian Coleman showdown. And the most exciting part of that is the altitude. Like, the, there's one event where I'm okay to have a little bit of altitude at. It will be the 60. The the 651, that doesn't jump off the page or no. something absurdly fast. But he did beat Akeem Blake, who very much took Noah to the line a week ago. So, um, you know, winning that pretty decisively there. I think we're going to see a battle, and I think that we're going to see something in the 6-4 low range. All right, let's start getting into some of the distance action. Men's 800, which we said was going to be physical, ended up being same physical and Bryce Hoppel 145 really solid showing for him I think Noah Cabet takes second but this one was up for the taking even until the the final 400 yeah I mean Lewis Peralta really put put this race on his back in the beginning there and CJ Jones did a great job getting them out um the thing that I really took note of is that Noah Cabet and Bryce Hoppel were battling like when Noah took the lead and Bryce wanted it he did not hand it over like it really was a super tactical final 200 meters and Bryce said after the race like that's the guy who took the silver ahead of me at Belgrade a couple years ago and so you know 
will they be battling again for the gold medal? And that ultimately is Bryce's goal is let's go to this world championships and come out with the gold this time. And based off the way that he looked this week, I think he looked even better with having that race under his belt, the 1K New Balance. I like where his momentum is, and he just seems like he's in a really good place. I, I think he, he and Hobbs are just, like, best friends now. You know, they're finding places to overlap in training, and uh, he said he's as strong as he's ever been before. Yeah. All right. So that's what I love about the Milrose games is sort of, like, it comes at this excellent point in the season where it's like, yeah, we've got USAs next week, but it, the storylines are coming out of – this meet like what you just said sort of that duel potentially at world indoors how it sets up coleman versus lyles at uh usa so this is why like this is the can't miss meet of the indoor season um all right women's two mile which like one thing that was very funky about this one and apparently on the broadcast they didn't really pick up on it right away but you were standing next to me you called it medina isa of ethiopia 19 year old i mean heck of a talent ends up running the second fastest time ever you were throwing out world record talk yesterday on the previous show poor girl runs the whole race wins the damn thing but then uh gets dq'd because right from the get-go you caught on to the fact that um she cut in way too early yeah i mean she won the 3200 because that's how far <laughs> she ran um she was really confused lining up i feel kind of bad that they like just look if if she, someone's not used to running indoors just put them on the inside lane um you know obviously having been super accomplished before it makes sense to have her on the outside for tv purposes but she just took one step and the gun went off and i was like up oh, dq'd this is going to be confusing for nbc yeah and you know that's sort of why you feel for like some of these ethiopian athletes who come all the way out here and it's you know a u.s meet english is being hounded at you and you have no idea what's going on so you d- i definitely feel for her but you know it's was still a really good race. Laura Muir comes out on top, 90484, kicking against someone who was DQ'd. You asked her about it. Yeah, I asked Laura. I was like, you, I didn't know if she had been told yet that she won the race. Uh, and she hadn't, Aisa hadn't been officially DQ'd, but Laura came in. I was like, you know that you won, right? And she's like, oh, no, I knew the second the gun went off because <laughs> they were lined up near each other. And so she saw the whole thing happen. And so it, it's like, what's it like kicking against someone that you know you don't have to beat in order to win? It's, it's a very confusing situation overall. But, again, Laura had to do this race because she had qualified for World Indoors in the 3K in December in a meet in Cardiff. That was not an official World Athletics calendar meet. Therefore, the time is not a qualifying time, and she had to move from the mile to the two-mile to do this. But now, you know, she's got a Wanamaker win under her belt before and a two-mile win. In a 3K split, that will count and a, a British record at the distance. But I did say, I was like, Laura, you know, I was guaranteeing a world record, but you guys just didn't go out with that intent. Was that something on your mind? And for her, it was, but really it was about winning the race uh, and getting that 3K. I don't know if you saw, like, she took off a little yeah. early and it was a matter of holding on. So she ran great, but Alicia Munson is the one who really, you know, helped step up and make this race what it was. Never scared to take it. Monson ends up finishing third behind Milk Now Udu. Monson 9.09 for an American record. Uh, yeah, she just really didn't have that response like when the, when the Ethiopians and Muir passed her. It was a little weird to see. Yeah, I mean... It's you're in heavy training right now. Like you don't necessarily know what these athletes are stepping on the track in their legs. But I'll tell you one thing that I did see, and that's that Nikki Hiltz ran nine fifteen. There 
a very competitive 800 runner. So the fact that they've added this strength to their arsenal at some point in the, the last year or two in training is now a dangerous combination because there's no way that you're going to go fast enough to drop them easily in a 1500, at least on the domestic side. Yeah, and I think the thing that stood out from my conversation with Nikki afterwards was just that uh, I think the time is just a hair slower than the world championship qualifiers. So initially the plan was going to be to try and attempt the 15 3k double at worlds. But, um, I think Nikki is putting all of their chips into, uh, the, into just the 1500 next week. All right, let's keep it rolling. I mean, no surprise in women's high jump. Yaroslav Mahuchik ends up winning, uh, Talitha Diggs indoor professional debut wins the 300 in 36.21. Uh, the women's 800, Allie Wilson, 201, unsponsored, gets revenge over Olivia Baker. I mean, there's a nice little rivalry developing between the two former training partners, uh, but solid showing for her. Hopefully, a sponsor comes calling very soon. Then after that, we had the men's two-mile, which was set up to be a world record attempt. Josh Kerr called the shot months ago. And Grant Fisher entered the conversation shortly thereafter. And, I mean, I got to give it up to the guys. They ended up dueling. Interestingly enough, Grant Fisher is the one who tucked himself right behind the pacer. So Josh was sitting in third for most of the race. And then, what would you say, with about 300 to go, was it that Josh ended up making his move and closes in 8 flat, 0.67, world record, first world record on Josh Kerr's resume. Grant Fisher, just three seconds behind, ends up with the American record. National records are being handed out left and right. George Beamish for New Zealand. Australia for Morgan McDonald out in, in fifth place. So this was, I think, the most entertaining race of the day. Yeah, well, first things first is, like, it's kind of a world record, I think. it's a, the, the, Someone came up. And basically, Josh was like, oh, do you need my shoes? You know, someone from drug testing. And it was like, no, we actually don't. <laughs> it's, it's not a World Athletics event, so you can hold on to your shoes. So the, but we recognize <laughs> it. Here at Sidious Mag, we, we recognize that it's a world record. It's a world record to me. Um, I would say that I was nervous about josh twice one in the beginning of the, the funniest thing is you told him to his face never in doubt <laughs> we, always, <laughs> yeah. we, always, we always lie to the athletes in person <laughs> josh i knew you had this from the very beginning no i i mean he called that he was going for this record very far in advance probably well before he was ready to necessarily break the world record but the thing that I, as a, a fan it's like josh you're talking a lot you're doing a lot you're doing lots of media you're posting on social media more than ever like Hashtag you're josh kerr <laughs> You're very involved in Norwegian media these days, and it's just like, is there too much noise? Is the the pressure of being a world championship gold medalist now on you, and rather than, you know, really getting into your rhythm training and, like, being in the zone, is, like, are you still going to find that fitness? And at one point in the middle of the race, with about 800 meters to go, I thought I was, you know, my concerns were coming to fruition. It's in his face, too. Like, it's like when Josh is hurting, it's a little bit more visible, but somehow he still found that other gear. And I, I spoke to him after I said, 
I think Grant almost had you, and he was like, he did almost have me. I was like, there's a world in which you run 8-flat, which happened, or 806, but I didn't see a world in which he's running anything in between, and Grant almost broke him. But, you know, having that 1,500 mentality, he got to 400 meters to go and was able to hold on, but there was definitely moments of concern there. He said it felt like a long way to the finish line. Yeah, and then behind that, like, I really like the position that Cole Hawker was in. I mean, for him to run a lot of that race in no man's land solo, ends up in third, 8.05, really strong race for, for him. Ends up in a little bit of a battle with George Beamish. Beamish with, like, one of the strongest kicks. I guess we got to, like, scroll through some of these splits. Yeah, well, there's uh, there's a story there. Jordy mistimed the the laps. He oh, thought, really? I didn't know that. J- he, Jordy thought that there was one lap to go, and there were two laps to go, and so he came absolutely flying around the bend into 3,000 meters, realized that the bell's ringing, there was a one on the counter, and therefore had to keep it going. He said he considered just stopping, but uh, you know, Cole ends up getting him back. That is the first time that Jordy has been passed in the last 200 meters of a race since the Sunset Tour in 2019. Wow, pre-pandemic. Uh, right behind, yeah. And then um, I guess one thing, too, I also did speak to Grant Fisher after. Yeah. And this, is, this was, like, off-camera, um, not, on, not on the record, but. Now it's on the record. Yeah, I didn't tell him that. Um, <laughs> I, I was like, Grant, so. You're training by yourself. I know you're working with Centro here and there, and you're meeting up with people on your easy days, but is there going to be a group that's going to form? Like, are you going to find someone? Are you looking for people? Like, this doesn't seem like a long-term sustain. Like, you can pull it off for a year, but, you know, if you're going to be in this training group for five years, it's going to be tough to do everything by yourself. (laughs) (laughs) You and coach. Uh, And I I was like, if I was a, a... recent college grad who'd run around 2745 to 28 flat i would just come train with grant he's like you know i'm open to it if the right guy wants to come and just basically help me out i would definitely so expect a new job posting on linkedin really soon to help join grant fisher's training group but he said it's not really a focus right now uh but maybe in the long term after the olympic year we do maybe see uh some training partners join and then the last thing we'll kind of touch on from this one is morgan mcdonald i think have finishing in fifth eight twelve uh he, he was a little bummed yeah it's a national record but australian indoor yeah. records are, are soft <laughs> uh i think for him i think the the biggest takeaway from this is that he's putting himself into these races he was bummed that he wouldn't he wasn't able to latch on and close the gap on the the top guys but Thing, for him, it's all about staying healthy and staying consistent. So good things for Morgan so far this season. Definitely don't forget that Morgan had Grant's number there for a little while. No, he, he did mention that. He was like, oh, yeah, don't forget that like a couple years ago, the 3K at Milrose Games was me and Grant battling to the finish line. But like you said, that was maybe, what, 2019, 2020? Times have really changed. Um, all right, let's touch on women's Wanamaker Mile. Ellie St. Pierre, back like she never left. Eight four sixteen point four one breaks her own American record. American record, Australian record, Kenyan record, Swedish record, Spanish record. Lots of national record. There was every flag. It was like the United Nations out there on the track. This sounds like a Scott Cashola, like, like New York Times sports story, where it's sort of like who's in charge of like getting the flags and like what happens at uh, the Mil- at a meet like the Milrose Games. So th- it, there's the free idea, Scott. But no, I mean epic race. A little bit of a role reversal from what we saw last week at the New Balance Boston Indoor Grand Prix, where Jess Hull 
just outkicks Ellie St. Pierre. And she, Ellie didn't say, said that like last week's race didn't really have anything to do with like her tactics going into this one. But, you know, this one was a little, Dana actually did make a great point on her pre pre show about just how, how freeing, you know, it was coming to the Milrose games, leaving the baby behind as hard as it is, you know, for just two days, you know, staying at the hotel, Ellie puts together 416 for the win, pulls away from Jess Hull. Susan Ajour taking down a fresh Kenyan record because, you know, I think for a lot of people, they think it's like, oh, like, you know, out, uh, you see Faith Kipiagon run 407 during the outdoor season. What could the indoor record be? But it's actually, since Kenyans don't really run indoors all that much, the record was Flamina Askel at, at BU just two days ago. And so Susan Ajour taking seven seconds off of it to run 420. I mean, Under Armour stock on the rise. I mean, I don't know what's going on with these Under Armour shoes right now. Bye, bye, bye. You know, any doubts that athletes may have had about joining an Under Armour group is definitely washed away because this weekend was huge for both the the Dark Sky group in Baltimore. But, uh, you know, I was talking to Susan because I was like, the, the Kenyan world team came out. I was like, the smallest team like what's going on like do you want to run it and she was like i do so hopefully we do see a a late entry there because she was absolutely crushing it so this was a great race and i think we said in the preview like whether or not some records get broken which you know ellie did break the american record we were going to see lots of pb's national records and we did yeah oh while you were talking about uh people wanting to run world indoors a little bit of an easter egg like cliffhanger that we were left on from this meet Josh Kerr not totally ruling out and closing the door on the fact that he might just add himself to the British team. Do it! Do it! All right. The meet ends with the Wanamaker Mile, as tradition is here at the Milrose Games. Yard Nagoose, 347.83, holding off a really strong challenge from Hobbs Kessler, George Mills, and Adam Fogg. Like, it was... Fogg? That final... Uh, final lap is really kind of like where Yared turned it on as as he did last year. Not as vicious, but I guess like when we look at this, this was billed as a world record attempt. They fall short. Where did they fall short, Kyle? I mean, ultimately, they went out really hot. So when you look at Yared's first 400, he's 55.5. You know, that's that's essentially way faster than you need to be. That's, that's outright world record pace, not just indoor. And so they got out hot, and then, you know, when the rabbit stepped off at 800 meters, they, did they hit the pace that they wanted? Like, they were, you know, 152 at 809. Um, but it was just probably too hot for the rabbit. We needed another 200 meters out of him because then what ends up is that Nagoose has to take the whole thing the rest of the way, and he's not slams on the brake, but really kind of coasts for 400 meters, and they run 59.3. And right then and there, I was like, all right, well, this is no longer a world record attempt until they got going again. And I was like, all right, wait, wait, maybe, maybe. But ultimately, you know, it was that third quarter, a very high school move to lose a race in the third quarter. Yeah. And then, I mean, we have to give props to Hobbs. Like we said kind of even yesterday on the pre-race show, that it's like he's coming in fresh off that – 333 in Boston. The plan, I guess, was to just glue himself to Nagoose. No one was helping Nagoose up in the in the front of the race. Mills also hanging in there. Mills, I think, almost attempted a pass for a bit, but as soon as like it got to the bell lap, it was all yard. That little lag in the in, in that third quarter allowed for Fogg and Casey Comer to kind of attach themselves again. 
Adam Fogg throws in a huge personal best, 349.62. I mean, when we have all these British guys out there just talking smack in the media, it's Mills, Whiteman, Kerr. It's the hardest team. The men's 1500 in the U.K. is probably the hardest team to make. Adam Spencer in sixth place, 352 for, I believe, that's got to be the NCAA leading time. No, it's not the NCAA leading time. Luke Hauser. Ran through fifty one and Asai. But a great race and we'll now get him to instead of Yeah. And again in this one more under armor uh stock through the roof. I mean ultimately I think this race kinda it comes down to two things like did you have it or did you not? Like you you when the pace goes out this hot, there's going to be blow-ups, and we did see that a little bit. And look, like guys running 353, 354 is not a, a huge blow-up by any means. But taking someone out in 152, that is uncharted territory for a lot of people. And ultimately what happens is some guys make it, and they run 347, and other guys it doesn't necessarily pan out. So as we do come out of that like podium spot, I know that a lot of those guys have a lot left in them in a different race are going to be able to showcase it. It's just, man, they went out so hot. And it was it was a beautiful way that they got off the line and lined up. It was Garrett, Hobbs, Mills, and the, they, they stayed that way. Yeah. All right, that does it for the 2024 Milrose Games. Meet absolutely did not disappoint. Top two in history, maybe number one, maybe number two. We're still kind of like processing everything. But uh, next up, USA's. I think we'll try and put together some sort of preview. Stay tuned to CitiousMag.com. Subscribe to the CitiousMag newsletter. We've got tons of great stuff. If you haven't already done so, check out our YouTube page. We've got interviews with all the top stars from the Milrose Games. So, I mean, I love track and field, and the Miller, and I especially love the Milrose Games. I mean, I love track and field. Shout out to the guy and his wife who came up to me and said, you know, the lap count convinced me to buy an eight hundred dollars of worth of tickets. Eight hundred dollars. <laughs> I think he and his wife got the VIP tickets behind the track with the the open bar. So you know, hey, not the only ones who love track and field. We're helping bring others along. And spending eight hundred dollars along the way. The track economy is booming. <laughs>